We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sports Talk up and running once again. Glad to have you here today. Jesse Styers is here today. How are you, Jess? I'm doing well. It's a it's a actually mild Tuesday in Cleveland. I don't know about over in the South Bend area, but it's only like 70 degrees. Not not a lot of humidity, so it feels good outside. I'm looking forward to being able to take a dog the dog on a nice walk after we finish up today. Yeah, that's something that uh, you know I was going to mention yesterday. The practice yesterday over at Notre Dame, a lot less humidity because it's not quite as hot these last couple of days. Uh, we weren't able to get over there. Today, I'll just give you the friendly reminder right off the top today. Hit the like button, rate, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff on your favorite platform. It greatly, of course, helps out Irish Breakdown. We've got a lot to talk about today. As always, we've got fall training camp rolling. And today was practice number five, but we had no practice viewing today for the media. So we've been to three practices so far since the start of fall camp last Friday. How, how excited are you, Jess, you know, just with uh, fall camp off and, and, and going right now? You know, fall camp is is a pretty exciting time. You get to see a lot of the a lot of the players that you've been wanting to see or, you know, hearing about. Um, you get to see guys battle it out for the depth, depth chart positions. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's the best thing that we're going to get until the first game at Ohio State. And it's better than <laughs> yeah. That's it's exactly better than it. been than you know just just the opposite of being in the dark in March, February, April, May type zone. So it's good to actually see some tangible things and not just talk about it uh, as much right now. All right, very good. Well, t- Tommy Guns forty four jumping in. Uh, hey, Sean, you and my brother have the same first and middle names. I'm not sure how you knew my middle name. Tommy, but uh, okay. <laughs> I'm assuming it's Michael is 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 what we're going with. So uh, very good to hear that, and glad to have you along for the ride today, Tommy Guns Forty Four. Lot lot to lot we're going to talk about today. We've got uh, these three Marcus Freeman sound bites in the queue right now. You're going to hear a little bit from Marcus Freeman. You're going to hear from Al Golden, the new defensive coordinator. You're going to hear from Tommy Reese the offensive coordinator, of course, and also will be taking your questions once again if you have anything. So uh, glad to have you as Tyler jumps in, Tyler Bangy, one of the uh, one of the uh, regulars, but uh, glad to have you. We, we've been to one full practice, two partial practices. And now remember, when we go to the partial practices, we get to see the first five periods 
you know, we're mostly watching position drills, so there's not a whole lot that can be taken from that, you know, other than, you know, in some instances you kind of get up and you get a little bit closer to the players and stuff like that. You know, you can really kind of get an appreciation, you know, for how, how some of the players, you know, the, their size and shape differentiate themselves from, uh, you know, some of the other guys at their positions and, and those kind of things. So, you know, we have been able to talk to Marcus Freeman as well as, again, offensive coordinator Tommy Reese and defensive coordinator Al Golden a little bit through these first few days of practice. And, uh, you know, once again, for the YouTube viewers, feel free to chime in with your questions. We'll do our best to get to those as well. So uh, uh, Friday's first Marcus Freeman training camp practice ran about two and a half hours. And so that included some extra position group stuff that they do before the actual practice began. So technically, you know, I think they say the practice goes two hours because they're bound to time limits and stuff like that. But they got the, you know, they get the players out there. They, you know, they're doing some different, you know, position work and stuff like that. And then they start their stretching and then they get into, you know, the actual practice and all that kind of stuff. It was not what I would call visible, you know, visibly, physically demanding, you know, what we saw, but there was, you know, unlike what we were just talking about today in the last couple of days where it has not been humid, those first few days, high humidity, and it took a visible toll on the players. You had some offensive linemen, uh, you know, both had to kind of tap out late in the practice, Blake Fisher and Zeke Carell, due to the humidity, they stayed out on the field, but they took off their helmets and jerseys and stuff like that. And then, so then, after the practice, Marcus Freeman had the team circled up and he was talking to them, you know, fairly adamantly. And here's what Marcus Freeman said his message to the team was after that first full practice that the media got to see in its entirety last Friday. It's not changing. We're not changing what we're doing. And it's going to be hard. We had a couple guys that couldn't finish practice today. And it's, it's their job to make sure they're available for practice. It's the trainer's job to make sure they protect the player, you know. And so I was trying to send a message to those players that, hey, whatever you have to do to make sure you're available for practice. You know, we had a couple guys go out because of heat, you know, and and whatever you have to do to make sure you're available, we have to do it because we're not changing. Because I believe in what we've kind of scheduled out through this fall camp. I believe this is what we need to be prepared to go. And uh, we're not going to change. We'll always look at and review and debrief and say, is there anything we can do to enhance? But the length of practice, the effort, the the way we're going to challenge our players, that's not going to change. And so if they're looking for us to pull back, it's not going to happen. They have to continue to do whatever it takes to make sure they're ready to go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So there's Marcus Freeman talking about it's got to be hard. But Jess, uh, you know, it's got to be hard well you know what do you think hearing Marcus Freeman say that off the top you know when I was in training camp and when I was playing in college our first couple of practices and especially training camp were the hardest practices that we were going to have and it's specific or it's designed to be that way for a reason because you want the practices to be harder than what the game is going to be so that by, by time you you show up to game day it's just it feels like practice you know you you already have things down you have things almost kind of memorized and you're going through muscle memory at that point so if you can practice hard and set the tone for the entire season that's the best way to do it practice is supposed to be hard individual periods are supposed to be hard that's where you get your conditioning and you know a lot of times you don't see as many college teams lining up to run full 100 yard sprints after a practice and that's mainly because the the you know the the conditioning itself of practice is what's going to get you uh in condition and i remember when you know when i was playing individual drills in the first 30 minutes of practice were typically the hardest part of practice because you're working through it. You're sweating through it. You're going through the drills. You, you know, you're going hundred percent. You're working on your tackling form. You're working on your shedding blocking. You know, that's for me, you know, me personally at playing linebacker, but I agree that you got to set the tone early and practice does have to be hard. So that way, you know, when the season rolls around, you can almost go full go and not have any limitations. You know, your guys are going to be physically ready uh, for anything that's thrown at them. I kind of feel like, you know, the the early reputation that Marcus Freeman had, and you've heard him say it a few times now, I'm your coach, not your friend. You know, like it came up in that Vegas video and stuff like that. And obviously they were having fun with it then, but you, he said it, I think, at another point in the press conference on Friday. I, I, I feel like this is also kind of a tone setter that he's getting. It's it's like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm still Marcus Freeman, and, you know, in some cases the guy that recruited some of these guys and you know he's got the great relationships and and everything but at the end of the day he's still the head coach does it kind of feel that way to you yeah and I think the best head head coaches are you know your friend but when you step on the field it they become your coach you know it's time to practice it's time to go to work and at that point it's no longer oh you know Mr. Nice Guy Mr. Cool Guy because that's what he is Marcus Freeman is a very relatable uh, head coach. He's a, obviously a player's coach. Everyone respects him and loves him in those regards. But when practice starts, there has to be a difference between, you know, Marcus Freeman outside of practice and Marcus Freeman inside of practice. So I, I enjoy that approach that he's taking. Um, and oftentimes, I think, like I said, the best coaches have that dynamic of where to draw the line of, okay, it's practice time. And okay, it's, you know, non-practice time. I'm still going to be your friend, but don't take anything personal. I say to you on the field, because we're all here trying to get better. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, so I, I think that that, especially for a first-time head coach 
who does have that reputation as, you know, a quote unquote players coach, that is a tone that he needs to set early. And, you know, for, for like from Marcus Freeman's perspective, he's still himself out there. It seems like, like you don't hear, you know, Mark, like w- w- when they're out there at practice, you really like, you don't hear, you know, yelling and screaming Marcus Freeman. He's not changing who he is or his personality just because he's the head coach. Now, you know, he's still moving around and, you know, integrating, in, in different spots out there on the field. And JT Bertrand kind of talked about it when we had a chance to talk with him yesterday, just the fact that like he still shows up, but it's more a matter of, you know, like he's not the defensive coordinator obviously anymore, but he's, he's sort of making sure that these guys are receiving the message that they're supposed to be receiving, you know, understand what's being told to them because, you know, especially with the defense, because while there are similarities to his defense, there are changes, and as J.D. Bertrand talked about, it, you know, it's it's almost like you learn a new defense. You're, it's like you're learning a new language, is the way he put it. You know, so Marcus Freeman is is out there with the defense, specifically reinforcing things, but it doesn't, you know, like whereas Brian Kelly sort of considered himself this offensive guru, like you don't see Marcus Freeman with his hands all over the defense just because he's got a defensive background. And I think that's important as well. Yeah, I think it's it's important that Marcus Freeman lets his coordinators be coordinators and, you know, that he allows himself to be a head coach because, you know, this is a role that he's never had before. And it's hard because acting as a head coach is almost acting as an executive. Everyone kind of reports to you and, you know, you delegate, you know, what you think and your kind of findings and how you think how you think things are going. And then based off of that, the coordinators kind of tweak things respectively out of those comments. So I'm really interested to see what kind of, you know, what that's going to look like for Marcus Freeman this year as a first time, you know, full head coach, his, his philosophy behind, you know, letting his coordinators coordinate and him kind of uh, taking care of more of the high level head coaching uh, decisions on a day-to-day basis. Right. So now the bulk of the offensive work, so far, again, this is from, you know, what we had seen that first practice and what we had seen over the weekend, what we were able to see, the bulk of the work was coming in the red zone. And, you know, it was like the 11 on 11 and the seven on seven stuff all done down in the red zone. And here's what Marcus Freeman kind of said, went, what, you know, was behind that. Um, uh, because it was very intentional. It really, I think, Al Golden was the one that said it in the NFL. They kind of did that to really work the long running of the skill guys, right? And so I'm not trying to take it easy, but it's a progression in terms of how long our wideouts and our DBs are running. And so that's kind of where we started in the spring of we're going to start in the red zone and then we'll work our way out to the middle of the field. And so that's why we did that. I mean, it went back and forth. It was really good to see, you know, I think – the, the defense has depth, you know, and, and um, that's something to me that was noticeable. You know, the offense, you know, we're not as deep as we want to be yet. You know, we'll continue to, to progress to that point. Um, but I said it was good. You saw some good things from the offense, good things from the defense. As, as in terms of Tyler Buckner, you know what? We all know he can run. So it's really good for him to progress in terms of, being a passer, staying in the pocket, making good decisions, you know, because it's always easy to take off and run. All right. So there was uh, kind of the, the, the whole thing, both uh, the, 
the red zone and Tyler Buckner in there. Let's talk about the red zone aspect first, because like you were talking about it, how position the position drills, you know, can be so demanding early on. And, it, you know, again, it's almost like he's apologizing. It's like I'm not taking it easy on these guys, because, again, that kind of seems to be, you know, for the fair, unfair that, you know, the reputation that he got early on just because of that whole player coach thing. But he's talking about we're trying, you know, it, and I think this especially made sense last week as humid as it was cutting back on, you know, all, you know, the, the amount of all the running that those receivers and defensive backs, the skill guys have to do early on in camp. So you're not putting, you know, all this mileage on them early as you try to make your way through camp and they'll build up to that as camp progresses. What do you think about that aspect? You know, when I first heard of this philosophy of working in the red zone and, you know, starting there and uh, over time, they're going to work their way back. I've never heard of you know a camp kind of be running being run this way and it actually intrigues me and it is something that I think makes a lot of sense because you know you talked about the mileage of players the way I look at it is you can start with your base kind of foundations of your offense and defense and really focus on you know nailing down those kind of packages and then use your building blocks as you expand out and work farther away from the end zone so I really like it because it doesn't overwhelm the players at first. And you're also getting a good foundation down. And, you know, as everyone knows, the red zone is the most important part of the field defensively and offensively. Defensively, you're trying everything in your power to hold them to no points or, you know, a field goal. And at worst, yeah, you give up a touchdown. And offensively, you know, that's the most crucial part of the entire, uh, you know, the entire, the entire field, the entire part of the offense is, getting down the red zone and you hear a lot of NFL uh, stats that are brought up of your efficiency in the red zone. How, you know, how often are you scoring when you get into the red zone? And I, you know, I don't really count field goals in those regards. I want to yeah. see, you know, touchdowns being put in. Those are what's going to win you the game. So I'm really, really um, interested slash impressed kind of by what, what they're doing with this philosophy, because if, like I said, if you can nail down these kind of base foundations and these, this zone of the field, which is the most crucial part of the field, I think working your way backwards helps with, one, the mileage, and two, having a better understanding of the offense and defense before you open up all this space and uh, um, allow for potential air. Yeah, it, where, where you're kind of forced into a tighter area, and I think the decisions are, one, more important, and two, you know, there are fewer options for you down there in the red zone. So I think it's a really interesting way of doing things and uh, you know Jason asked you know talking about the red zone and why practices that first that I asked coach Golden about that philosophy did not get a chance to yesterday I got a couple of questions and was hoping to come back around because as you can imagine you know there was a big gaggle of people you know so I think I think most of us tried to limit it you know to a question or two you know so that everyone could get in and I got mine in I was hoping to come back around at the end and bring that, you know, the red zone stuff back up, but uh, did not get to. So there is your, you know, pedantic explanation of how things work in the media cackle over there at Notre Dame. But Marcus Freeman also talked about, you heard him talk about Tyler Buckner uh, in that soundbite. And he talked about, look, we know the guy can run. We want to see him throw. You know, they, they were keeping him in the pocket more in those red zone situations. Vince and I talked about yesterday, there was one opportunity where, Think you know, like things kind of developed uh, to the left a little bit, and 
he ended up, you know, there was a huge running lane where he could have just tucked it and run and probably scored a touchdown with his speed because there was so much green in front of him. But instead, you know, they didn't really want him doing that. So instead, he made the good decision, you know, just to throw it high out of the back of the end zone, live to play another game. But, you know, so I guess your thoughts on just sort of the development of Tyler Buckner and, you know, and them kind of working on that passing aspect because, as we know, that's really the biggest question that everyone has about Tyler Buckner after we saw him last year. We know he can run, but I think what everyone wants to see is just how accurate specifically and what kind of decisions he makes as a passer as well. Yeah, I really like the concept of keeping Tyler Buckner in the pocket during these red zone drills. Uh, you know, because like like Freeman said, everyone knows he's got legs. You know, that's kind of the easy part of his game. That's the natural part of his game. And everyone knows, you know, based on last season, the thing he needs to work on is his accuracy and throwing the ball. And that's most critical down in the red zone. You can't be throwing interceptions and you have to be super accurate with your balls. And I think that that's a good practice for Buckner is making him stay in the pocket, read his routes and be able to either one, you know, make a good throw or two, you know, like you said, live to fight another down and get rid of it. In game situations, will he probably try to extend with his feet a little bit or, you know, maybe roll out with the pocket a little bit? Yeah, sure. But right now it seems like the emphasis is really focusing, you know, on getting Buckner's uh, throwing mechanics down and more importantly, his throwing accuracy where it matters most, and that's in the red zone. Yeah, you know, and and look, has he been 100%? No, but, you know, starting with the decision-making, that's the biggest thing. You know, and again, we've got we've got one live session to go on, we, you know, and we're only going to get one more during training camp. You know, then in addition to these, you know, smaller practice viewings. So a week from Friday, August nineteenth, is going to be the next time we get a full practice. So that'll be our next and final opportunity, probably to really see things live during camp to see, you know, to to have something to compare to where they started from on day one compared to where they are two weeks down the line on the 19th of August, you know, so that'll be kind of the one that we've got circled on Friday, the 19th coming up here, uh, you know, again, a week from, from Friday, but I've been impressed. Or I was impressed with the decisions, decision-making that he had. And, you know, like, despite the fact that most of the hand wringing right now seems to be, you know, about his throwing mechanics, because everyone's looking at the at the videotape or the pictures, and they're like, oh, I hate his arm slot. You know, he's down here. He's doing all this stuff, and the ball goes up and everything. Everything I've seen so far, I've been impressed with his accuracy. You know, he's he's not throwing the ball all over the place, especially on the short passes where you, you know, like for him, because he does have, you know, a little bit bigger arm, like you would expect that the short passes – you know, a la Brandon Wimbush a few years back might be the place where he struggles the most, but that has not been a thing. You know, again, in the in the times that we have got to see him, that was not a thing. Um, you know, but, you know, again, this is something Vince and I talked about yesterday, just the mechanics. I, you know, what I said and what I will stick with is at this point in the game, you're in training camp now. You know, so as long as the ball gets from point A to point B, the way it's supposed to, you know, accurately, it doesn't matter what it looks like getting there, you know, and you can't be thinking about mechanics at this stage in the game because it's just too hard at this point. You're in training camp already. It's just too hard to try to change someone's mechanics 
once you're in camp and you're preparing for the season. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's just like um, any you know pitcher or hitter. Once the season starts and once you're in camp, you had all summer to work on those things and kind of get into what you feel is a comfortable position by the time camp gets there. So to me, I have no problem with what the throwing motion looks like, especially because we are at the college level. You know, this is I think it would be different if we were talking about an NFL starting quarterback um, and, and his throwing mechanics. But we're talking about Tyler Buckner at Notre Dame as his first year, you know, being a full time starter potentially. So the things I'm looking at are not necessarily his arm slot. I'm looking at is he getting the ball from point A to point B with accuracy and is he getting it there with velocity? Now, if his if his arm slot created, you know, potential where his balls are behind people or they're not getting, you know, the timing routes aren't there or his wide receivers aren't getting to the ball in the same, you know, the same timing as he is, then I would consider an issue. But if his balls are getting from point A to point B on time with accuracy, you know, with good zip on it, I have no, I have no cares about what it looks like. Yeah, I I completely agree. And again, if you know, like once you try to start tweaking mechanics, do, you know, once the the season starts, then you're thinking about, well, I've got to do this and I've got to do this, or you know, your footwork or or whatever. That's all stuff that needed to be ironed out coming in because whatever happens, if, if you're trying to correct it week to week, all that's going to happen when you get into the game, you're going to revert to whatever your muscle memory is and, and it's not going to matter. And, you know, to me, it's a non-issue for right now, you know, unless we see something else that says it is an issue. I, I didn't see anything in the first three practices we got to see that says it's an issue. I, is it completely orthodox? No, but you know, like uh, again, neither was, Philip Rivers, you know, Baker Mayfield, you know, there are a lot of different quarterbacks who don't have perfect throwing mechanics. And you've got guys like Patrick Mahomes because of the kind of athlete that he is who can just change, you know, his arm slots all over the place. And I think that there's probably a little, some of that with Tyler Buckner in there as well, because he is a really good athlete. So I'm not as concerned about what that arm looks like. I'm just, you know, again, the concern is, does it get to where it needs to be? Does it have the arm strength to get to be, you know, to that it needs to be? And from everything that I've seen so far, it's been yes. So I'm not as concerned about that as as a lot of people seem to be right now. You know, you brought up another good point. And, you know, the last thing a, a quarterback wants to be thinking about during camp, during practice, during games is his throwing mechanics and people telling him about his throwing mechanics. Because that's just one more thing that he has to think about as he's going through his thought process of reading defenses and making the right read. So I would have to believe that, you know, not letting things go for now, like we were talking about his mechanics are only going to be, you know, what they were uh, coming into camp at this point. You know, there's no reason to tweak it. There's no reason to mention it because like I said, that's just another thing he has to worry about potentially when he's trying to progress through his reads. All right. So moving on from Marcus Freeman, uh, we did get to talk with uh, Al Golden, defensive coordinator, yesterday. And I, I hope this audio is a little bit louder <laughs> than what we had with Marcus Freeman. But uh, I, so we got to talk to, I, I talked to J.D. Bertrand first, and I asked him about, you know, where, where, you know, where are you taking your reps and that stuff right now? You know, what's the split of your reps? And, you know, he, well, I'll just, 
I've got the question that I asked him up front, and I'll let you hear the answer to it as well. JD was saying that the linebackers are kind of being encouraged to, you know, move around to different positions. Are yep. you sort of mixing and matching with that? Group I think right that's now? true at every position, not just you know, not just horizontally, you know, position-wise, but also vertically, depth-wise. So, if we have a PM walkthrough, we'll take you know a one and put them with the twos. We'll take a two and put them with the ones. We'll take a three and put them with the twos. And the idea there, and really, uh, Coach. Freeman has kind of charged us with doing that to make sure that we add depth. We have guys that are communicating with other people, not just the ones. Uh, and I think it's making us better. You know, if we do get an injury in a game, somebody's a little bit more apt to go in there and be successful. So um, there's a lot of opportunities. And from the kids' standpoint, the morale is great because on any day, you could be the guy that the three that's playing with the twos, you could be the two that's playing with the ones. And, uh, and I think that's really helping us in terms of having guys, you know, just continue to compete and, and then try to improve. It's really kind of unique because like Vince and I, that first practice out there, you know, when, when the players went out on the field for any 11 on 11 type stuff, it's like, okay, you know, we're, we're writing down numbers and we're trying to figure out, okay, here's the depth chart, you know, and then, you know, like one minute. You've got one group of linebackers out there in the next the, the next play. It looks completely different. We're like, hold it. Who's the ones? Who are the twos? You know, because you've got all these really unique combinations out there. You know, and again, like Jess, you played defense. Obviously, you were a linebacker and played some different positions. What what did you think kind of hear hearing Al Golden explain it that way? You know, I really like the idea and, and the things that he started to present there and I'll tell you why, because when you, first of all, it's not necessarily, you know, as linebacker, if you're at the Sam, if you're at the Will, if you're at the Mike, you're at the Viper, you know, it doesn't, he, he's not doing that essentially because he thinks that those are where those guys are going to play. He just wants those guys to be thinking all the time and knowing, you know, in this play, in this read, where that linebacker would be at, you know, the, the one thing that's hard to understate on defense is you have to know where all your other guys are going to be in order for, you know, the play to be funneled to where it's supposed to, you know, designed to go. So for that reason, I think, you know, he's doing these things. So his players have a better understanding of the defense and they can play multiple positions. And I think another thing he's doing, you know, with interchanging twos going with ones and threes going with twos is you have to be ready at any point as a linebacker, to, you know, to be able to step in and, and be ready to, you know, fill that role and not be intimidated by it. So if you can do that early in practice, that's a big advantage because what if a guy goes down and immediately, you know, you're standing on the sideline and your name is called, you have to be ready to go in at that moment, potentially with guys, you know, if you're not doing it this way that you've never, you know, run reps with, I think it's just right. a comfortability Who knows thing. who you're going to be next to. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's just a big comfortability thing of, you know, at any given time, this player could go down or we might need you on this play for, you know, for maybe a couple snaps or this package or this formation for a couple snaps. So it's not necessarily, you know, this is how it's going to be. It's just getting the guys comfortable with the defense and then also getting them comfortable with any potential situation that could arise during the game if a guy catches a cramp, you know, a guy breaks an ankle, whatever it might be. These guys have to be ready to step in at any point and be comfortable and not, you know, be a deer in the headlights, essentially. Yeah, and I would think, again, you know, like he he's talking about, oh, you know, sometimes the threes are with the twos or, you know, that, that kind of thing as well. I would think that from a depth chart perspective, and it's not just linebacker, you know, like he said, it's at all positions, you know, where where they're doing this to try to build 
more depth. And, you know, so like the safeties, for example, when you've got all these guys at safety back there and, you know, the, the linebackers, because you've got this kind of line with the linebackers and I'll have a story coming out uh, about J.D. Bertrand, you know, like or, or actually I just put out the uh, the Al Golden um, notebook and it's got some of this stuff in it. But, you know, I guess my point is like you've got this line of linebackers. You've got all these veterans, but you've got a lot of really young guys, too, like three really good freshmen and, you know, sophomore and Prince Kali. So, you know, like for those young guys who don't have a lot of experience to be able to get in and play next to some of these veterans and have some of these veterans kind of, you know, help them learn on the job. I, I, you know, I think that, you know, again, kind of like what Al Golden said, it gives them some buy-in one, but it also gives them some invaluable learning experience as well to be able to learn hands-on from these veterans out there on the go. Yeah, exactly. Those are both, you know, good points. And I think another Another good point is if you have safeties working at corners and you got inside linebackers working at outside linebackers, you know, these are guys who are getting to develop some of their weaker areas, maybe playing in some coverage, you know, playing out more in space. So that by the time they kind of get back to their original position, things become just a little bit easier. And I think that's what Al Golden is really just trying to overall accomplish here is things are just a little bit easier and the more diverse you can be on the field. And so I, I really think putting these guys in different positions and kind of getting them out of their comfort zones or maybe some of the roles that they're that are typical for their position and getting out of those is really going to benefit them in the long run because there's no such thing as being able to do too much on the football field you want guys who can do just about a little First bit of everything possible yeah yes yep exactly interesting thought you know this crossed my mind because we had someone ask about steve angeli yesterday number three quarterback right now on the jet depth chart and I always think quarterback is, you know, just obviously different from any other position. But, you know, he's a little bit in the same kind of situation that Tyler Buckner was in last year. True freshman coming in, um, you know, not expected to be the starter, but you know, there's a future for Steve Angeli. So I guess my question is, as the number three quarterback, could you see any benefit to applying this approach to the quarterbacks as well. So so those so those guys lower on the depth chart are getting more than a handful of of live reps out there. What do you think yeah, about that? I think it's extremely beneficial especially for a guy, you know, of his talent and his young age is getting him in there and getting him to learn as soon as possible um is is there's nothing ever wrong with that. As long, you know, as long as you're not obviously taking away, you know, reps from Buckner but if you're getting guys in there and full and just helping them develop, I think that's great. And it, it goes back to kind of what I was talking just a little bit ago is, you know, what if a quarterback goes down and then, you know, what if Buckner goes down and now all of a sudden who's, who's your backup. Okay. And then, you know, maybe pine takes a stinger, it gets a concussion. Then, then it is time for a third string quarterback to step in. So I'm all for getting, you know, as many reps as you can, reasonable reps as you can for some of these younger guys because you just never know when they're you know when their number may be called and you know obviously you don't want guys to go down and if that's the case and no one you know no one does get hurt well that player is already that much more more further along uh with their understanding you know how things are run you know the offense and how it's run and being able to be comfortable with some of those players just in case they are thrown into a situation like that all right 
Interesting. So, see, I, you know, I, I guess for me, it's the balance of Pine and Buckner are up there compete, you know, competing to beat number one. So are you taking away from those opportunities where, you know, those guys are actually getting ready for games? Like if, you know, again, I don't know what the amount of snaps would be for Angeli, you know, and it's also not like he's not getting any snaps. I, you know, I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying, you know, like you move him up maybe for a play or two, that kind of thing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Okay, more Al Golden. Everyone is, um, or at least most everyone, I think, intrigued, might be the right word, with five-star freshman linebacker Jalen Sneed. So Golden got a couple Jalen Sneed questions yesterday about his development. Let's hear what he has to say about the five-star freshman linebacker. I have a lot of excitement about Jalen Sneed. Um, I think he's uh, very, very talented and um, if he can continue to develop um, and just uh, submit to the process of just learning every day and improving every day um, and get some consistency, it's going be it's it's going to be really good. And I'm really, really excited about him um, as a student athlete. and uh, he's physical, he's fast. Um, you know he's fun to be around. Um, uh, he's just, has to catch those guys that are in front of him you know those guys that have so much experience those guys are trying to mentor him and help him and hopefully we can keep getting him going down that same path is there like a specific area because i know he did everything for his high school defense and the talk, i guess kind of was that he <laughs> wasn't it. able to focus on one thing is yeah, there maybe. one thing that maybe he's yeah maybe but he's but he's gotten better like i was even looking at today like his his box reads are better like it's hard like if you're out there playing in space all the time now you're in the box and so his his box reads his ability to see pullers and and tight ends going back and, and things like that in the box is getting better. So he's so young, he's so young. So um, nothing but uh, positive energy, you know, for him. Uh, and he's just starting his journey and um, just gotta whatever we gotta do to make sure that he's learning uh, and improving um, on a daily basis. I think that would be that would be you know for James and I. That's what we're trying to get done is really see in the next month if we can't really see how far we can push him to get him better. And when he says James, of course, he's talking about James Laurinaitis, who is a graduate assistant, but, you know, is is kind of the de facto linebacker coach as well, because while Golden is the linebacker coach, you know, James Laurinaitis is doing a lot of the on-field work as, as Golden you know, obviously works on bigger picture aspects of the defense as well, you know, with, you know, installing, 
his his system and and all that kind of stuff. So again, Jess, you've got the linebacker background, and you know, for our, our listeners and viewers watching on the YouTube feed, you, you know, you can see Jalen Sneed's body type and and what it looks like. Anything stand out there? Listening to Al Golden talking about Jalen Sneed. Yeah, it's actually surprising that Jalen Sneed has more issues with box reads than he does have uh, playing in space. You know, at least for me, it, the the hardest part was, you know, first you have first you have to diagnose runner pass, um, and even then, you know, you might see a pulling guard, and it, it still could be a pass play with some of the RPO plays that happen today. And so, I think that that is is something that is. It, is beneficial for him because if you can play in space, getting your box reads down is going to be one of the easier, you know, parts of things. And I really like the physical kind of makeup or, you know, the body composition of the, of a guy like Jalen Steed. He just looks fit. You know, he reminds me at first glance of a guy named Jalen Smith, right. who was just athletically, you know, you, you saw him on the field and you just knew how good he was just by looking at him. You didn't have to see him play. And that's the kind of the first impression I get, of, you know, looking at Jalen Sneed is, this guy can probably play anywhere on the field and, and just be an overall athlete. So for me, being able to work in space is definitely an advantage. And then being able to dial in those box reads are, are only going to escalate his game. You know, and something I want to bring up is, you know, freshmen these days, you can still, you know, I don't know the the exact amount of games, but you can play four. three three or four games and still yeah. get a red shirt. And I think that that is something that, you know, Jalen Sneed might have the potential to do towards the end of the season is, you know, he's only going to get better because all of his physical tools are there, obviously. So he's only going to get better the more he learns this defense and the more he learns his reads and his cues. And so, you know, I think we might be having a different conversation two or three months from now, because I think Jalen Sneed is a guy who could potentially work into some nickel packages or work into, you know, some, some late season playing and still be able to have that red shirt. And, you know, it's a good it's a good assessment tool for for these coaches too. Is you know seeing him out there in live action and seeing what he can actually do. So, I really, really, really like what I see out of Snead, and I really think that he has a potential role by the end of the season. Yeah, and you know, I wonder, you know, because this is a five star guy, and we know the athleticism and the talent and everything he has. He's not quite like Jalen Smith, where he just comes in and he is playing right away, but. You know, like you're talking about preserving the eligibility. You know, like I I could see them taking their time early on because the rover, for example, is deep enough. And I were shy town asking you if you could see Steed playing rover. You know, I think it's deep enough right now between Kaiser and Batello and what they can get out of that if they can continue to, you know, get you know, as Al Golden was talking about. The athleticism and the desire and everything else is there. It it sounds like, you know, there were a couple keywords, consistency being one of them. It's just, you know, being able to make those basic reads that he needs to be able to make, especially if he's going from, you know, outside to inside. And I, I don't think there's a need to rush him, I guess, is, is what I'm saying. But at the same time, you could see, you know, especially, you know, like you get some guys banged up here and there and maybe an opportunity presents itself where you could see him, you know, out there on the field extended time, you know, by mid season and, and maybe going forward, you know, I, I think that that is, is, is very conceivable. What, what do you think about him at the Rover? Because again, like playing in space seems to be more his forte and that obviously plays to the Rover position. 
Yeah, I think, you know, he would obviously be be very well suited for the rover position. But like you talked about, there's so much depth there at, at the rover position. So I think, you know, what what should be considered is how can we fully or potentially utilize him based on all the other pieces uh, that we have right now. Um, and th- that's a very good point is he reminds me of a more athletically gifted uh, JOK. Uh, you know, I, I think the way he can play in space like that, um, and, you know, a lot of people a will longer. Use, yeah. And what I think what a, a lot of people don't understand about, you know, playing, you know, the difference between it might be seem easy from going from like an outside linebacker position to an inside backer position. But, you know, one of the hardest things is you have so many pre-snap reads that happen, you know, getting in the right alignment, you know, based on this formation, my heels are at four yards. Okay. In this formation, I'm at four and a half and I'm, you know, just a shade outside of the nose tackle. There's, there's so many things that happen before the play actually starts where you have to make a read, you know, of what the offense is doing in live time. And that's another thing that he has to learn too, is just based on formation of where he needs to be lined up at, where his heels need to be, you know, where, what he's keying in on, you know, for for certain reads, where to line up based on where the strength of the, you know, strength of the offense is at. There's so many other, you know, factors that go into a play before the play actually starts. And I think that's something that he, I think Golden is is getting at with the consistency is him making his pre-snap reads and in, you know, in play reads as well. Cause those are both yeah. important things. And it's a, it's a lot to take in, especially going from high school to college, the speed of game just intensifies so much. So if you, you know, if you're lost in your pre-snap reads, you have no chance once the play actually starts. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like I could, I could see, you know, again, maybe this doesn't happen on day one or even in the first month of the season, but like Al Golden was asked about Jordan Botello yesterday, and there are so many different things that he can do between dropping back in, into some coverage when he's playing Rover or rushing the passer. Like I could easily see, and we have had a question about who's going to play Viper. I mean, you basically got Isaiah Foskey and, and Justin Adamalola there at the Viper. Jordan Botello is the number two Rover right, as, you know, as of right now behind Jack Kaiser. But again, with all these guys cross-training and doing all these different things, like I could easily see Isaiah Foskey lining up on one side of the defensive line, Jordan Botello lining up on the other side of the defensive line, you know, like on third down. And then you've also got, you know, maybe Jalen Sneed sitting there at Rover, you know, assuming his his pass coverage is is where it it needs to be. Or, you, you know, he's like a third rusher for that matter, depending on what you want to call so you know there there are there are places where i think you know for an athlete like him where he can fit in and again like you know when you listen to al golden that's that's part of the reason for some of this mixing and matching and doing all this different kind of stuff so they can find out you know a lot about these guys and you know and again give some of these younger guys the chance to learn from the older guys and you know it's still we're still in week one of training camp. So I'm sure that there are a lot of possibilities that are going to end up coming out of all this. Yeah. You bring up another good point kind of what we were talking about earlier, being able to mix and match and have guys play at different positions. You can truly optimize your defense the way you want to. And I, I talked about this last week, college football, um, especially kind of nowadays, you see kind of more of those hockey line shifts, especially, you know, more so in the defensive line. And, you know, if Notre Dame could potentially do that at linebacker, that's never an issue. Having depth and having, you know, more explosive bodies per play is never going to be an issue. So the more you can mix and match these pieces and find, you know, this for for this 
specific down and yardage, we like this package. Or for you know this specific formation, we like this package. I don't think that that's a bad thing because the more you can mix and mass, match your pieces, the more and the more athleticism and overall talent you can get on the field, it's only going to lead to better things. Yep, I completely agree. And again, we're week one. So there's there's a lot of intrigue that's that's going to come out of this. And we're not going to get to see everything because, you know, they don't want Ohio State to see everything. <laughs> they don't want they don't want a lot of these. It's always funny when I see everything. like these NFL training camps and you see, you know, the the Notre Dame football Twitter account, you know, tweeting out stuff. It's like, are you are you sure you want to let that much information out? Because <laughs> you have to know that, you know, the the Ohio States and you know, the, the, the Buccaneers of the NFLs, they have probably people whose job it is to, to go find as much information as possible and report back with what they find. So mm-hmm. it's always a very fine line for me of like, <laughs> how much are you showing and how much are you willing to show? Yeah, good point. Good point. All right. Well, we will go ahead and wrap it up with that tonight. Jess, always great to have you. On a lot of great insight, you know, especially on uh, a lot of the defensive stuff that we were talking about tonight. And uh, look forward to it. We'll, uh, you know, we've got more training camp obviously coming up. We've we've got some uh, practice availabilities coming up this weekend, and uh, looking forward to you chiming in once again next week. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. This is honestly my favorite time of the year. Uh, I love you know the training camp. It's only going to get better from here. The more we're only going to have more to talk about. And I think that, uh, you know, the sound clips were great today. Hearing that insight into being able to talk about, you know, the things we hear is, is always a good time, but it's, it's only going to get better from here. This is like scratching the surface. We're just going to kind of get deeper and deeper and deeper. So I'm interested to see where that takes us. That's right. Just getting started. We're still in week one of training camp right now. So we've got a ton more stuff coming up very soon. Don't forget, hit that like button, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It helps out the Irish Breakdown channels. We uh, appreciate you stopping by for today's show, and we will talk to you once again tomorrow. Vince will be back tomorrow, and uh, so he'll be in. We'll talk to you then on Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.